talking all things theatre and events. Nothing that replaces that feeling of being in a gig. We very quickly learned about the new technologies, digital technologies we've got. A really big thing that I've looked at recently is community engagement. So I come from a rural community. The Stage is Yours podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Stage is Yours podcast. With me, your host, Cal Graham, joined as always by producer Dan. And we're talking all things theatre and events. Today we're talking all things dance, joined by Rasheen Whelan, a dancer who's toured with Black Box Dance Company and Matthew Boyne's New Adventures. We get into touring life, her choreography, and much, much more as well. Rasheen Whelan, the stage is yours. Well, joining us today, we've got Rasheen Whelan. How are you? Good, thank you. Not too bad. (laughs) Um, How's life treating you in these strange old times um that's a good question <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good uh I'm actually back in Ireland which has been a big change for me I didn't think I'd be back in Ireland after living away for five years so it's it's been good it's Ireland's a bit slower than the UK for sure <laughs> and everyone's quality of life is quite relaxed here so I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed being back and I've had some amazing opportunities here so it's not it's not the worst it could have been yeah. <laughs> amazing so <clears throat> obviously we're talking dance today um which for me isn't obviously my I'm absolutely not a dancer we're just going to stress that now um, <laughs> I've seen a few moves I'm sure <laughs> that you are on the inside <laughs> absolutely maybe at two three in the morning after a lot to drink but let's put it that way I did once make the mistake of making a joke of a dancer's warm-up and then got roped into said warm-up and I think he died that's all I'm gonna say um, saying it didn't look that difficult when I was very young and didn't understand <laughs> and then 200 I'm sure it got changed because I was told I'm doing it but 200 odd sit-ups later I was absolutely <laughs> dead yeah it was definitely to teach you a lesson I imagine <laughs> I learned very quickly and learned the hard way but it was a good laugh at the same time um cool so uh you're a, a professional dancer so I think initially for a lot of people um when they're younger they might do dance ballet and stuff like that and I wonder if you could kind of shed some light on how you took that from what a lot of people would see as a hobby um and made it into something well into a career yeah I mean I had a bit of a a crazy road I think to professional dance which was great I did gymnastics for a long time and then I got an injury and that kind of took me out of the game but I think I realised what I loved was the dance element of gymnastics anyway, not the the tricks and all of those things. So I started off there. And then, as you said, I just did as a hobby. So I did ballet, modern and jazz. And I started with like the eight-year-olds when I was 15. So I was like the tall one who like didn't know what they were doing in the room, which was great. And then, yeah, so I, I nearly went to university. I got a place doing chemical engineering in the university in Ireland and so that was the way I was going to go because I love maths and chemistry and all those things but my parents are amazing and they said if you want to dance you need to try it now because someday you'll be too old which I think is totally fair enough so I spent a year in kind of a further education college just to see if I liked it it was actually a teacher's training course it's called Inchcore College Further Education and they had a dance studies course and I did that for a year and I loved it and then I just auditioned abroad and so I trained in the Northern School of Contemporary Dance in Leeds in the UK which is in the conservatoire group so there's like a group of schools so like um, there's a conservatoire of dance dance and drama and so that was the kind of group of schools that I was in and I did three years there which was uh, a whirlwind I loved it I had no idea what I was doing when I went there I had no idea what contemporary dance was which was a big shock when I arrived um but I think it's a very for anyone who's like from the countryside London was a huge thing for me and I don't think I was ready at 17 18 so Leeds was a really good alternative and the school's great so I went there yeah and then after that god what did I do then I did an MA there so I got chosen to work with Black Box Dance Company so that's a company in Denmark so we toured Denmark all of Scandinavia really and a bit of Germany as well and that was that was a great experience being in a company 
And then I wrote my master's while I was touring with New Adventures, which was the worst choice I could have ever made in my life. 20,000 words in. <laughs> it was, yeah, so we, we were actually in Saddlers Wells the day it was due. And I like submitted it 16 minutes before going on stage and was like, I'm done. Um, yeah, and so that was kind of, that was where everything started then. But I, I always wanted to do choreography actually. So when I auditioned for New Adventures, I didn't audition as a dancer. So okay. that was also an interesting thing. Um, I auditioned to be his young associate choreographer and I got to the final four, I think it was, and it was myself, Ariel, Tasha Chu, who's another dancer with yeah. the company. And neither of us got the job as the choreographer or the young associate <laughs> choreographer, as you can imagine. But Matthew emailed us and asked us if we'd come and audition as dancers. And then we actually ended up, me and Tash ended up playing each other in the show. So we had the same role. So it was kind of like meant to be, I think, in a way. And that's how it's all started, I think. Crazy whirlwind, crazy whirlwind. And yeah, uh, note of advice to anyone listening, don't write your thesis and be in a touring production show oh at the God. same time. That sounds absolutely brutal. But um <laughs> yeah so I think it's really cool and like such a different way into it <clears throat> and the fact that you were so close to go to do something else I think um I'm some a little bit similar in that sense that I was off on my way to go to uni to do something else uh to do mechanical engineering what to, to design formula one cars that was, my, <laughs> that was my thing but then literally on that walk home from my a-level results I decided no I didn't want to do it and kind of very much was like this is production and things like that, something I've always enjoyed. So again, my parents as well gave me that kind of support. Twelve months, go and see what happens, and that was what ten years ago now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can always go back to be an engineer if you need to. Maybe, but I feel like I've got to go. I need to find a way to back to you. <laughs> to <go and> do <laughs> it. I, mean, I did consider it during lockdown. I very much did think of when it all kind of kicked off, and there was the joyous things of go and retrain. Um, I was like, I seriously looked at what it was and I was like, I can't, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, I can't not. I mean, I'm yeah. currently doing my first job outside of the industry in since I left school and I find it very, very weird. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different way of working. No, totally. I mean, I only signed up for a PhD halfway through lockdown and my friends were like, Roshina, I think you need to think about this because remember the stress <laughs> you had when you wrote your thesis. And I was like, oh yeah, PhD is just basically thesis over four and a half years. So I was like, maybe yeah. not. But I think it was like that fear thing. I think everyone had this thing of like, what else will I do? I know loads of dancers doing like masters in psychology and random yeah. things, which is great. But I'm also like, you don't need to, it'll come back. Yeah, I think we all just went um, across the industry, just kind of panicked that suddenly we had nothing. <laughs> we all went from exactly. being probably very busy and things like that to absolutely nothing and going, oh, I need to have something, I've got to have something going on. Um, and then, yeah, it's just kind of carried on. But like I said, it's a strange old time. But um, so it kind of brings us on a little bit into obviously currently at the moment and what's happening. Um, your managing to create things and getting involved in stuff at the moment so do you feel there's been like a massive sudden change does it uh, does the rehearsal room feel a very different place now as to say I mean I can't believe I'm gonna say this nine months ago (laughs) oh god um yeah I think it does I think it's different now it's really tricky I I've been really lucky in that my like choreography has taken off and I've been really supported in Ireland um having moved back here by so many organizations who've given me like money, space, mentorship, time. But it's really hard in the room because you're so used to being involved. And and oftentimes I, I work with smaller groups of people when I create. And a lot of the time I'm really lucky that my other half is also a dancer. So he's very useful in a room because we obviously live together. So it's like such an easy thing. I can show things, I can give examples of what I want with someone else, but there used to be this thing of like going up and moving someone and being like no this is what I want this is how I want it to look and now there's like trying to use your words as a dancer and as a choreographer it's just not for me I'm like I just want it to look like Ooh, like making all these stupid noises and be like kind of like this whereas you used to have the ability to just you know kind of show yeah. them what you wanted that's the hardest thing um 
that I've come across but I'm, I've started kind of working in bubbles so rather than working Ireland's got some amazing places that have studios and accommodation on site so working with like the same four or five people for extended period of time so for like three four weeks so after the first 10 days everyone's like a bubble so then it's yeah. safe that everyone works together so the first 10 days aren't the best because you're keeping everyone apart everyone's a few meters apart but then once those 10 days kind of relax 12 14 days it's really good because then you can finally get back to what feels normal but you're kind of in this bubble of like studios accommodation everyone eats sleeps yeah everything together <laughs> um but yeah no I think it is very strange and I've tried to a number of people at the moment and how everything's kind of chopping and changing and people just kind of trying to do what we would normally do and finding weird hurdles and just go oh no wait I can't do that or I'm not or I probably shouldn't do that um, yeah. which is which is unfortunate and it's tough for that but I think it is it's amazing and testament to yourself and to anyone who's managing to still produce things I mean and- never did I think I'd have to be like going into the supermarket buying so many cleaning products to clean and spray and hand sanitize and I was out this morning working um looking at Christmas show which is amazing they're actually doing it in a circus tent it's really like it's an amazing thing and all the hand sanitizer had frozen because it was so cold and I was like you just don't think of these things <laughs> uh, it's it's a whole new set of challenges and I've talked to a few bits of people who have who initially obviously when everything kind of started to get a bit better in sort of August September um yeah. people were starting to think about events and stuff like that and we were like oh great and obviously suddenly everyone's calendars were empty so everyone was chatting around and the kind of things that were going around and the chat about okay so we can do this this and this but we've got to think of this and then we need to think of and it just yeah it's posed so many different challenges and things like that but I think yeah. on the whole the kind of yeah will like a challenge don't get me wrong but I think some of them are just a little bit yeah it's unique things in that yeah, sense I think the cost is definitely like I think it definitely adds cost to productions that you don't think about um like I know I mean Ireland's been really good they've kind of created a fund for people who had who had been offered funding and they basically what they've done is they've like given them a little bit more funding so that they can actually do the project because obviously they haven't coronavirus didn't exist yeah. so they've allowed them to kind of just a, a little bit extra that's meant that they can actually do what they're going to do in a different way which I think yeah. is that's great it really is great I think yeah there's the associated cost with it and it's that unfortunate that yes someone has obviously made money out of this pandemic um but yeah certain things obviously went through the absolute roof and I know the job that I'm doing at the moment our, our supply of masks hand sanitizer disinfectant and stuff like that is ridiculous and I think there's a almost a pallet delivery every week and it's like because we're just going through it yeah crazy which is an unusual situation but I think it's yeah I think there'll be a few things that kind of carry on but it will be nice to get back to working in a or just back to work in my normality. yeah so so let's kind of move on from the slightly dull uh, <laughs> chat of coronavirus. I've, as you can imagine, I've spent a lot of time talking about it over the last few weeks. Um, but it's I think everyone's got a different story to tell, a different experience of it. So it's quite, and it is very interesting to kind of hear so many different stories of essentially everyone that was in the same boat yet has ended up just a mass, massive tangent of where they've ended up with how it is and their experience of it. So it's... Yeah, exactly. But, that's quite interesting so so let's talk shows and some of the joy stuff stuff that we probably should all the stuff we want to be doing and um, we obviously met on Matt Bourne's Romeo and Juliet um the well whilst you were also writing your thesis which didn't actually do at the time so you just saw that and I'm like oh, okay so now knowing what was going on during that talk and you were writing a thesis I'm like okay because that show had its unique challenges um yeah. I think there were some bits of it that actually it's potentially made it slightly more difficult than a straightforward show but it, what it eventually ended up being was something quite amazing For so sure. um what I'm kind of obviously kind of getting at there is the fact that it was essentially double cast yeah so for you guys I think that proved quite a challenge because it worked that you were essentially a week ahead of where the tour was on the show rehearsing exactly. with a different group of dancers yeah and like it was always a funny one 
not knowing what had happened the week before or the week after because obviously you go to a new city and you're like in nor in like Norwich with the young cast trying to teach them the show and then the production crew comes back and they're like all these things happened and like they've had a great week in Birmingham Hippodrome and you're like god this is such a strange I, I imagine for you guys as well like you had two totally different cast people that you were hopping between did you have a favorite I'd love to know favorite <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we did there was the discussion like if you could have like your dream cast like who would it be because obviously like you said as much as the show was from an audience point of view 99% the same obviously there's always slight differences but mm-hmm. um was identical backstage we were it was always quite interesting how we had like little things that because you guys all do things slightly differently you do things in a different order so it was just always that and it was kind of as the cast changes and stuff were happening we're like okay so it's okay so it's Sarah and Andy tonight as Romeo and Juliet and you're like okay yeah. fine they do things like this do that or if it's uh in like Paris and things yeah. like you just kind of know where it is and it's kind of like yeah fine and it even just where to stand where not to be um, it was always quite interesting and then kind of trying to help the young cast like you said of doing that like it's gonna or don't stand there <laughs> yeah I mean they were a great challenge we had a few moments where I was I like really think New Adventures did an amazing job of bringing a hundred young people into that show because they did nearly everything with us and they learned it in such a short space of time. We did have some funny moments where they'd like shut the doors of the stage at the wrong time. You'd run a bed into the door, just like stuff that happened. It happens to everyone, but yeah, they were, I, I really like thought they did an amazing job for the what they had to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was an amazing challenge that New Adventures set themselves and to still keep it at that level. Yeah. Like I said, it was very weird for us because we would just jump week to week of bouncing around, <clears throat> of doing it in each kind of city. And it was, yeah, it was, we would lose track of which cast it was, to be honest. We would just go, yeah, fine. And it would just be. <laughs> and then towards the end with the kind of people, obviously, because Swan Lake went out to Asia at the time. So some people went, joined up with that to go out there. Yeah um so there were lots of cast changes and stuff at the end I think did you not join up with someone joined up with the other cast and really confused us because they turned up at the theatre and we're like you're not here this week yeah (laughs) yeah we had a few I think because our swing got injured so we ended up not having a female swing at the time so I did the swing role in my cast but then I'd oftentimes if there was like no one to swing because there was two people out we'd call someone from like the north to come the whole way down to the south to do their role um stuff like that <laughs> yeah it jumped around a lot but it was a uh, it was a really fun show to do and I think it's and even the guys I was talking with and Erin especially like we were like if the chance comes around to do it again we absolutely would because it's I mean I have to say my favorite thing has to be sitting I like sat on the cans at the desk where Duncan <laughs> would read the the book and it's just amazing like the backstage is like not it's not but it's so much more fun than on stage because <laughs> stuff that goes on and what you see it I I loved it I thought that was like so much fun also because you can all talk to each other right so it's so like we can't say anything but it's yeah. great to hear you all chat about what's going on and and all these things because you that was in Nottingham wasn't it so it's was quite late on in the tour by which point we're all fairly relaxed in what's going on and what's happening yeah. so and there's only kind of the real pinch point important moments where the cans just goes down to that so we're generally yeah there's lots of chat going on um in the podcast with Gaz and Sammy we said it'd be really like it'd be really interesting like if you publish it as a DVD to have like an optional extra to listen to the backstage conjuring oh my God, it'd be as it's so going good. around like so you're watching the show but you hear the chat at the very least of what's going on because I think it is always quite interesting and people don't realize the amount of bits and pieces that are going on they don't see yeah and but, also like they don't realize that like Shiv is crawling on her hands and knees so that no one sees her like just the funniest like the the strangest things happen and it's a it's like such a testament because you never see them um but when you know they're happening it is hilarious to like know that someone's got like gloves on their hands and their face completely covered because so they're not seen and all these so warm so (laughs) like because it was so open which was great but we were like well, we're all in black but we've just got to not be sitting yeah that was yeah it got very warm at points but yeah. I mean we were doing so red shoes was even 
the stage management ring costume for Reggie. Yeah, you're on stage there. There for I was I didn't have to have a costume, sorry. <laughs> but I ended up on stage. It was a bad thing. But um it was oh, it was quite funny the first few times when they get their costume as well because they were joyous and it or just joy like hilarious. But they're fully out on stage. Like Gaz is in the so Gaz stage manager makes an appearance in the uh movie version yeah. of it because he gets caught in it. Oh my God, amazing. So it's kind of that, but like I said, for the audience point of view, they've got no idea that these, you could probably figure out that these people who appear in these costumes and stuff moves around without being seen. But yeah, it's always quite interesting. And I think people don't realise quite how much chat there is on comms because you would have had Duncan's ring as well. And Duncan can speak to everyone. Everyone. And he is everything. Whereas depending on which department you're in, you're only listening, when you're on stage, you're only listening to one. Yeah. That There's only Duncan who... uh, does that um i think sammy explains it as um air traffic controller for humans <laughs> a dsm is which i it's think was very true. apt yeah so that's great. so yeah obviously we did roman Juliet and new adventures um which was great fun um you touched a little bit on touring in scandinavia and black box how did you find that i'd love to tour scandinavia not yeah lie. um i mean as a as a place it was amazing i love I really love, they've got a really interesting like work-life balance there. So they, everything's open nine till four and that's it. Like there's no, there's no like late openings. It happens once a month. There's a late opening and everything opens, I think till six or like seven. Um, And they're really family orientated. So it means they have loads of people come to the theatre because it's a really important thing to do as a family. So I lived in the Jutlands, which is like, right up the north of Denmark um so it's like four hours from Copenhagen so it's really far and so we we performed five different works over the year that I was there so they kind of worked a bit as a rep company so we had works by Jason Mabana who's an English choreographer and then we also had by Tim Rushton, Marie Rolantani so we were doing four or five different works every week on tour which was a bit crazy yeah you kind of arrive somewhere and you'd be like, oh, which one is it this time? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't really sure yeah. um, sometimes. And, and we did we did a month at the Opera House in Copenhagen for Christmas, which was incredible. It was a long month in a hotel, yeah. I have to say. Like, I was like, God, this is the same. And Copenhagen's really cold. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, to be like to be with Dave's <laughs> Theatre, to be there was just uh, a different volume altogether. And the company works, so they have eight dancers so I started off as an apprentice there and then one of the dancers actually left so I took her role in all of the shows so I did both of their casts for a lot of their shows so they they kind of they usually have six people in a cast so then they have some swings and everyone does different versions so I just I just played her role and then I kind of did all of the pieces which was great and they do kids pieces then they also do really serious adult pieces um and I love the kids' pieces. They're absolutely hilarious. We did loads of um, secondary schools where we like tried to sh- give them a show and then we tried to make them dance with us. And some of the experiences there, like two boys who like wouldn't hold hands, they'd be like, I'm not doing that. Like, oh, yeah. definitely not. And by the end, they're like holding hands, like moving around, having a great old time. So I have to say that experience for me was was amazing. And I it like kind of taught me how to be a professional dancer because I, I had signed so I signed for New Adventures before I even started in Denmark so I signed for New Adventures a year and four months before I started the show so I always knew I was going to leave yeah. I always knew that Denmark was like a year so it was great because I really enjoyed it because I was like oh I'm leaving yeah make the most yeah. of it yeah um so that was great fun we performed some really funny pieces we performed a piece called No Sex that was by Jason Mabana and it was in a really difficult piece, but there was one part that was a catwalk and it was all about gender and mm-hmm. kind of like um, the world of gender. And so the costume designer made like huge American football player shoulders and like uh, jock straps. But all the girls wore all the men's costumes and all the men wore like heels and like furry or like uh, feathery dresses. It was incredible. And there was like it was all quick changes. So you just yeah. kept walking. Um, but it was like visually stunning it's really beautiful people yeah I loved it there I'd go back in a heartbeat (laughs) amazing um so how do you find touring it's quite interesting chatting different like actual touring life of being on tour essentially living out of a suitcase um I do that I think it's 
we chatted a little bit on another podcast, but we're all production people. So I feel like our experience of touring is very different to you guys. And we also, obviously for dancers, certainly with new adventures, it's much, it's somewhat more hectic or more regimented schedule. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I loved, I've had really different experiences. Like with new adventures, I love touring because there were so many of us. Like there was, there was always like 25 dancers, about, well, about 20 dancers. Whereas when you tour with eight people, you also live with those eight people. So I had a great experience in Black Box, but often at times you were trying to get away. You were like, oh, I just want to go for a walk on my own and like have a coffee in Germany on my own. Whereas in New Adventures, because there were so many of us, you could, we often would go for lunch with a few of us and then something else. So we had that like ability to kind of um, spread out a little bit more. I definitely think, you should before you become a dancer think if you want to live in a hotel for 10 months of the year because it seems great and then it's really not when you realize you like can only make a cup of tea the novelty wears off very the novelty definitely wears off of a nice hotel (laughs) um but yeah I I'm a big fan of touring I I think as well it's like it's really cool to see different venues so like the I mean I suppose for you guys like the old-fashioned venues that have like the proscenium arches and like the mechanical backstage rather than electronic like I can imagine it's awful for electrics it's a it is a big I think that's our what our biggest challenge touring for production wise is the differences between each theatre I mean you said on Roman Juliet we went from Birmingham Hippodrome one of the biggest stages in the country to Norwich (laughs) where it's absolutely tiny and for you guys who do kind of every other week it wasn't as bad because it kind of did that but for us who jump from having all this space one week to very little the next we go okay it's a challenge and yeah places like Sadler's Wells are amazing don't get me wrong yeah absolutely love it and they've got technology to the hilt that makes your life so much easier and the uh flying disc disco ball and stuff like that works yeah. flawlessly every time <laughs> but you then obviously introduce that human element with certain things so that does chop and change it so yeah I think but <clears throat> having chatted to uh like I said to lots of other people that's kind of part of the challenge that we enjoy as much as it's going around seeing different places it's kind of making the show work in different theatres I think we had it on uh Red Shoes when you get to Norwich and Norwich has got a, a like is apps is re- was very tight and was very yeah. was a real squeeze for Red Shoes and because there's no real way to adjust the size of that no. set with obviously the automated process so it was kind of it was a bit of a squeeze it was yeah it was a bit of a squeeze when we got to Sadler's to start with until we figured it out. But then we were in Sadler's Wells for two months. So by the end of it, yeah. we knew what was going on. So, yeah, I think that's for us part of the challenge that we love about touring. I think as well, because that's the thing for us when we when we go somewhere new, like it's always exciting to see how the stage team are going to fit all the props in. Like Roman Julia has full size beds. It's got like all of the like pillows, everything. And it just it was so much well it was funny to see how you managed to get everything to like tetris together backstage and then all of a sudden like everything will be taken down in 10 seconds ready to go and i think for us touring like we really we like as dancers that's the things we're not good at is like how are we going to fit all the props so it's just so handy to have people who like know exactly <laughs> what they're doing <laughs> i think like i said i think it's it was always quite interesting but like i said we would kind of and we get to the point towards the end of the tour that we knew how casts wanted to work and how, where they wanted certain things so we could figure it out obviously some venues we had no option there's only one way it was gonna work but um like in comparison Romeo and Juliet is quite a small show in terms of what it's like obviously it's a static set which is yeah. which is quite nice in some ways but it's yeah it had lots of little props and those beds it was always fun and being on a rake was quite interesting oh yeah we had a few like where the brakes didn't go on and the bed started to roll oh. And you just, like, you know, you're like, you put the brake on, it doesn't stick. And you're like, well, this is the end of this scene. Like, you know, that you're never going to make I'm it. off to visit the orchestra. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite interesting. That was, I remember on the, I think it was the Monday afternoon, we were doing some checks to see, like, if, if you missed the break, would it? just start to roll would it go and we were like hmm it's interesting we're not quite sure but yeah, you always said like as long as you can get one on you're going to be safe that's yeah, we- that's <laughs> what we basically kind of managed to figure out too we were like okay if there's no brakes on it will just start to go 
Um, but as long as there's one, it seemed to be okay. But yeah, it was quite interesting. Yeah, that was Nottingham was the first one. That was quite interesting. Yeah, that was a hard one. Also, as a dancer, like dance on a rake, when you make the whole show off a rake, it's really hard. Like, well, that was our first one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first one, and it was like on a rake straight away, straight in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's those little things that obviously, and even from an audience point of view, you don't necessarily even notice that a stage has. A slope on it is absolutely just from that um nottingham and it was newcastle was the other one yeah. weren't too bad they're not particularly steep breaks but there are some that are off that are even steeper yeah. than that and i think we'd have been interested was it, it was the trolley that was the one the trolleys had no trolley. brakes had no brakes so if they didn't quite get a little we were like you just need to do that to get the wheel to go like across Feels the stage not up yeah. and down and there was one time i remember on cans duncan just going the trolley's off <laughs> and we're like what and we're behind the wall and we're like there's nothing i can do yeah you just, and just like that and just hope that one of you guys and 90 percent of the time would do it and just dive in grab it and go and it'd be, oh, yeah that was always the interesting moments for us backstage when something where it's a show where we've got no chance to get out and kind of help when things yeah. happen but for you guys just to suddenly go to that or quickly try and be like to one of you guys you're going on something stuck there like get it close to the door or whatever or the gun when they were trying yeah, to throw it gun. through the archway Taking that, it off. that was a constant one get, get rid of this the gun and the bottle <laughs> that's the obviously bottle. there's then the smash sound effect but if the bottle doesn't go off stage then the smash sound effect really didn't work yeah <laughs> it was so it was always quite interesting but yeah we had a lot of fun with that show and like i said it would be i would would happily do it again i think it was yeah me too i mean i'd love a little america asia any sort of a leg abroad would be really great so other thing that i worth to chat about you obviously said that you're uh doing more and more choreography work yourself yeah. um award-winning choreographer now so yeah let's chat a little bit more about that How, like kind of bits and pieces you're working on um your kind of we hit touched on your creative kind of process that you're very much hands-on and involved with it as well but yeah, yeah. i mean I've been really fortunate. I don't say lucky. I really don't like the word lucky because I think that means that people haven't worked hard. And I think everyone in the dance industry works so hard. And so people yeah. say, I'm so lucky. I'm like, no, it's like, I'm really fortunate. But I think people yeah. work really hard. Um, and I've been supported by a lot of people here. So New Adventures were like one of the first ones to support me through their springboard program. So they kind of have, if you have like an aspiration outside of performing there, happy to try and help you so they gave me some money and I did like a digital residency online for a new piece which is called Tom Culture which in Irish in English it means I am lost um but that's the Irish translation yeah so I grew up and went to Irish school so I speak Irish so I want to make a lot of the work with like Irish history and uh, I'm currently making a primary school piece which I'm really excited about in January so that's actually funded by the Arts Council in Ireland so I got a and I spent money from them, which was great. And so I'm going to make an Irish version and an English version so it can be towards, it has like some speaking in it, so it can be towards to Irish schools as well if they want it. Um, so yeah, that's great. So we start the 10th of January straight in and one studio, which is nice. And I'm really excited for that as like a good start to 2021. I think yeah. it's going to be needed to just like get out of the, yeah, straight away, which is great. Um, but yeah, so I've been making this work and basically I try and, in terms of process, I do loads of uh, things like Matt, I find Matt, like Matthew Bourne, really inspiring. Um, he has a lot of work that he does before he gets in the studio, like film, books, there's so many, There's you can see like his thinking behind everything because he has a big table full of all the DVDs and books. You can take them home, you can bring them back. And so I kind of start with that. So like at the moment, I think I've read like 50 children's books. I'm really loving yeah. the five-year-old children's books at the moment. Just trying to get an understanding yeah. of how kids think and, and all these things. Um, and then a really big thing that I've looked at recently is community engagement. So I come from a rural community. Like there's the closest neighbour is six fields away. Like nobody, there's none, nothing there's nothing like really set set there. There's loads of like schools that you can do as a hobby. And so I wanted that every work that I made had community engagement attached to it. So that's kind of the aim 
of what I'm making so I always like try and make like a professional standard show but then there's always something around it that the community can engage with so it's not just kind of brought and then left straight away yeah um yes that's been great and I I, just before lockdown we went through another lockdown in Ireland as well um another level five lockdown but I was in backstage theatre in Longford so they have an activate program which is they award residencies to uh, artists and they award one to me so I worked on making a piece which is going to be shown in April 2021 which is really exciting I'm really looking forward to that which is going to be performed in a forest outdoors actually it's got a big stage it's a place called Shawbrook and we spent two weeks working there on making this I mean I don't know what it is yet but it will be something (laughs) (laughs) um yeah which is great so I'm going to spend two weeks in the studio with the guys there's four four dancers from the UK who are amazing and I love them all very much they're all I like love to work with the same people like I I think there's so much value in like having people who will tell you what they really think like I hate when dancers don't tell me if they don't like it yeah like as a dancer sometimes you're like that really suits that person but doesn't look good on me and there's nothing worse than feeling like the one it doesn't look good on yeah and so that's like something that I always try and do in the rehearsal room especially because the the children's piece is two people so six dancers are going to learn this duet together so then if it tours they can do it they, like two of them could do it here two of them can do it there kind of thing yeah so like making it individual there's no point in trying to get them to recreate exactly what like Josh who's six foot one and Tilly who's five foot three are playing the same person so like their chance of them being able to do the same things are going to be slim in terms yeah. of different people and stuff like that so that's kind of um yeah the process and just seeing gaps so like uh, where I'm from in Ireland has like the highest rate of suicide in females between 16 and 25 and the second highest in the country between of men between 16 and 25 and it's the second smallest county in the country so it's tiny and so like they've got really scary statistics about like people's mental health and it's a bit of like an elephant in the room mm-hmm. so that's what this piece um tom culture i am lost is about it's about like getting people to talk like you don't need to tell people what to think you just need them to be able to talk about it and and currently in carlet where i'm from that's like a big thing is that they can't talk about it so they're the two pieces that I'm working on at the moment my head's like all over the place and then (laughs) I was really fortunate to get an emerging artist award with um Dance Ireland which is like our professional dancers organization and then Ballet Ireland who's our national ballet company I got their emerging choreography award so I'm going to work with them I start on Monday actually which is lovely I'm really excited to get into yeah um so I'm going to work with them on a piece called Tyrion and Og, which is an old Irish story about this woman who is really beautiful and she like lures men back to the fountain of youth kind of a thing. Um, but I'm going to set it in the future and set it in kind of like this. I'm going to set it in like the land of the youth of today. So for example, like the world will probably like be burning, half it'll be underwater. So it'll be like these younger, these young people under kind of living in this world that's not this kind of land of youth but that's been like totally destroyed so that's what I'm working on with them but believe me when I say I have no idea what I'm gonna make (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah I'll be working with them for the whole of next year on and off Um, and they've been amazing they're helping me like with all my arts council funding reading everything mentorship they're they're a great organization here so loads of exciting choreography things on their way that's great I think it's always quite interesting listening to different people and kind of listening to how people create really um some people like I said have this absolute definite this is what it is and know instantly and I actually find that in some ways that you can read that dead set and hit it right first time whereas I think it's really interesting you say it's when for you it's just a process it's whilst you're there and trying what works what doesn't work yeah and it's like going in I've like gone in with loads of ideas before and then started doing them and to be honest like they're just so bad like they just don't work and it's totally fine I think to you like hey that doesn't work but it's really hard to let things go like you know when you're so attached to something like oh I've done all this work and it doesn't work and I'm just gonna have to put it to the side or and and then sometimes you can come back to it and it's fine um 
but yeah I think I'm lucky that the people that I work with are they're amazing they're amazing dancers and creative people and they help a lot by just saying what they actually think which we don't get very often yeah it's really great to have a team around you that you know you can kind of trust to be honest about it and whether it works or it doesn't um it's really interesting to hear you talk as well about how you is taking inspiration from your local kind of community and what's going on in and around you to kind of reflect and kind of spread awareness really that's like I think because I got some support from Carlow County Council which is like the local authority rather than the Arts Council but they get Arts Council funding and they can give it to different people and they supported me by paying my artist fees for some of my residencies and I yeah I, I just really wanted to give them back something that wasn't just a kind of like a random thought or idea I had and I think the community here they're really used to music and theatre but they're not used to dance so I'm like slowly churning the wheel trying to get them to enjoy (laughs) dance in some sort of a way um and I think it's been helpful having worked with New Adventures because they're so focused on their audience and it's like audience engagement is really important to them and bringing something that uh is for everyone not just for a specific group of people which has opened my eyes a lot yeah is growing yeah I think I think it's um I think it's and it's trying to kind of break down the stereotype that is ballet if that makes sense I think it's still a lot of people unfortunately still see it as yeah um, not as as accessible yeah Yeah. like hundreds of years ago I think totally and they like even my parents like I love them to pieces but my dad all he ever says is oh that was good and I'm like anything like came to see Romeo and Juliet oh that was good came to see like come to see a school show that was good I'm like is Romeo and Juliet and school show the same no like there's such a difference and just when you get our response but it's totally just like I don't know people just like learning that it's changing and that's good or does it doesn't yeah. need to be like it was hundreds of years ago I hope yeah absolutely I think it's and I think the more we can kind of you can and what you said you're doing of link into that local community and I'm not gonna say make themselves see themselves in the show but kind of understand what's going on and and relate to it that's what I'm trying to yeah yeah that's like the main thing I was trying to get them to to understand because also I'm this primary school piece that I'm making uh it's about what kids want to be when they grow up and it was kind of like this whole reskill, retrained thing. I was thinking about kids and their like opinions when they're six or seven or even eight or nine. Like when they think, oh, I want to be an astronaut. There's no like feeling of I can't be an astronaut because they just want to be an astronaut. And like yeah. um, trying to show kids that it's like if they want to be an astronaut, they can be and they don't need to be a teacher or a doctor or something they can see. They can aspire to be more if they want to be. Definitely something that, more and more shows are definitely thinking about is how they can broaden their audience yeah I think it's really important I think there's like there's no art without people who want to see it and yeah. so in a way you don't make it like I'm going to make it for this person but you make it so it's accessible and I think people have realized that now because they can't make shows in huge theaters but they can make something that's like outdoors because they can perform outdoors and they can give it to schools because schools can have their kids outside watching it. And so it's kind of like shifted the whole thing on its head of pe- of like people making work, which I think is not a bad thing. No, I think it's finding new ways to work. And again, having talked to lots of people recently, I think it's how lots of people have adapted and kind of what they offer, where they offer. I was talking to um, a children's theatre company who are based in London um, and they were saying their kind of online offering suddenly they're getting messages from like Italy and from like Europe and stuff of people that have now seen it and been like oh where can I see more of this and this and this and they're going oh well we've not got all of like their previous shows nothing's digitized they can't then show them out afterwards yeah. so they're saying actually they're suddenly what they're doing is massively broadened their reach and what they're able to achieve so I think it is great that despite everything that's gone on there are so there are positives out there to take from it that actually we might be able to yeah and I mean I don't know about England but the Arts Council in Ireland has gotten loads more money so they're like ready to go next year with a bang so that's also great (laughs) 
Um, let's kind of start to wrap this up. Everyone who comes on the podcast, we ask the same three questions. They're a little <laughs> bit random. Yeah. Um, but it is quite interesting hearing everyone's answers because it is, and they vary quite massively, but they're seeming to be a little bit trickier than I thought they were going to be, but okay. that's grand. So first one is, um, if you had a dream show that you could work on or that you could produce or create, what would that be? That's a good question. I actually thought about this loads. I don't even know. I think there's two <laughs> different ones. So as a performer, like for me, I always wanted to work with new adventures so that like I've already like been very fortunate to take a dream off that list. Um, I would love to do Carman. It's like a sexy, like amazing, just that show is just like incredible. I would love to do that show just for the dance element. For and what I've you announced like. it now, so I can talk I about mean, it. It's going yeah, to be exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be in the Royal Albert Hall. I would love to do a show like that. I um, don't, uh, that's going to be something to see because I can remember thinking, being, hearing rumors about it and going, I, that's going to be one to make it work is going to be one hell of yeah. a thing to do it in the Royal Albert Hall. So, yeah. At that round, it's going to be hard, but I think they're going yeah. to do an amazing show. And the choreography is really cool in that show. So for, I'd love to perform in that show. Um, as, a, as a choreographer, I would love to make something really big. That's all I... I was like, what do I want to make? And I was like, just something with loads of people. So, like, loads of like 40 dancers like something like a bit crazy that would probably never happen but something big on like a, a huge stage I don't know I just have this like this want to make something massive yeah. that's all I'm not really sure why I've done that's fine that's actually fine I think it's, it's always quite interesting and it's very interesting hearing people when they talk about where they want to get to and for some people it's they want to get to a certain venue for others it's I want to work with this particular artist or for some people it is this show or yeah. that's what I work with so it's always quite interesting to kind of chat through that um so our second one this one is probably the little bit most random but what's your go-to post-show snack like yeah. what's that one thing that after a show you go that's that's what I'm going for like so it all stems from the fact that there's always malware in my toolbox <laughs> always <laughs> which, so everyone's like oh, okay which is fine which is great on a get out as well but there's always that little sugar boost in my toolbox yeah. um two things so it depends where we are saddle as well there's a really nice restaurant called banana tree which is yeah. just around the corner and like i can't deny that i went there too many times probably within Sadler's for a month like lunch dinner after the show in Sadler's, that just—it's like it calls you, you know. It's like it yeah. always has to be ready for you at lunch. Well, that's because there's not a huge amount around, around initially there, yeah. unless you go up into Angel. But yeah, it's right on the doorstep. So yeah, I think banana tree is very good. Yeah, so for me, that's like as a in Sadler's, that's somewhere I love to go. And then straight after a show, I'm not gonna lie, I love a can of Coke, like something with a bit of a boost. When I wrote my masters, I got up really early every morning before we started. And I used to always, which is terrible, have a can of Coke just to like get me yeah. started for the day. And it's like, it's really continued, which is not good for you. But <laughs> yeah, a can of Coke is, is always good. Amazing. That's grand. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> someone else I've chatted to said the exact same thing. Yeah. After, after a show, that sugar boost. Is a sugar boost. For him, it was an ice cold can of Dr. Pepper. I was like, also it's funny because sometimes you know the fans leave you things or um yeah. like when we were doing Romeo and Juliet one of the fans from Japan I think it was had like chocolates with the show's picture printed on the chocolate like there just, are some absolutely like, new adventure fans yeah things that you'd be like oh this is great or signing a program and then realizing it's the same person that's come five nights in a row and you're still signing the, the programs I'm like why am I signing it again um it was in Plymouth uh, there was someone who came around and was getting everyone and I mean everyone including us to sign up we're like I'm literally just a name in the program I'm like there's no headshot or anything in it but for some people yeah it's a massive thing and this person was there getting no one left stage door without signing that yeah. program and you're like so it was crazy yeah so that I think they, they probably are the only person with a program that is signed by the entire the entire of red shoes because they got everyone i was like that's quite impressive that you've been here for that because we left at like 11 because we'd had a few things to tweak after the show so we'd been so they'd been there for like a good hour or so yeah um, they love it though they just like yeah. and i think it's really like it's a really nice feeling 
to like know that people love the shows that much as a dancer to know that people like are following you on stage like I don't play I didn't play a main role so I I like didn't have like you know my name like everything yeah. in the program but I didn't play Juliet or any of the main roles there's not really a big female role after Juliet in Romeo and Juliet but they still love you they're still like so interested in you and what you're going to do and this kind of stuff so yeah so and our final question um what's the one piece of advice that you wish you'd known when you first started out that one thing that if you that you know now that you'd have gone if I'd have known that when I was 17 18 um my life probably would have been a lot easier (laughs) yeah I think um I think to always ask so I think we get into a really like strange I'm not sure if it's a dancer thing or where it's come from but you often you don't ask for things because you're like oh well I'm do I'm a dancer and I and I say like I audition for this job and I get the job and that's it but like if you want to work for someone just email them and ask them because all they'll say is no and they'll never say no they'll say oh send me like your cv and your show reel or or like uh are you in a show I'll come and see it because I'm I'm in Birmingham and you're in Birmingham Hippodrome I think like there's loads of things of like um you feel like you can't say or just email someone and be like I want to work with you can I work with you because sometimes they will just say yes because they actually never get asked like they 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 audition people but nobody ever emails them and says I actually like your work can I work with you that's my advice yeah love that love that piece of advice I think it's a really nice note to end our podcast on um it's been an absolute pleasure catching up and chatting to you thanks for Um, having me and best of luck with everything you've got going on Thank you for listening to the Stage Is Yours podcast. Want to know more? Then head over to all of our socials. You can find us at Stage Is Yours Pod, where you can catch a cheeky glimpse at some of our upcoming guests and subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure that you never miss an episode. This has been the Stage Is Yours podcast, talking all things theatre and events. Until next time.